Now, Lord, we've come to the preaching event this morning. We ask you, Lord, to give us something of which we're not worthy. We need you, O oh God, to give us direction and help us today, O oh Lord, with clarity so that we can preach the engrafted Word of God, the Word that makes us to rejoice and makes us to know in whom we have believed. We ask you to help us today and wrap your arms around us in such a loving manner that we all leave here knowing that we've been touched by the hand of God. In your name we pray, amen and amen. These are such strange times that we're living in. I believe you could call these times unprecedented times, times that we've never been this way before. In my lifetime, there are so many things that are, are happening that have never happened before. And uh, being around church all my life, being a pastor's son and raised in church and uh, pastor with grandfather was uh, ordained minister for 54 years, so I'm a third generation uh, preacher as it is. And I've never seen a time like we're in right now. And I've talked to pastors of various denominations, all of my friends, and all of them concur. Uh, never seen it like this. And all of them also talk about the uh, terrible attack on the church that uh, we're experiencing through all that's going on in our world today. And for some reason, I've had several pastors that, does it ever feel to you like, Brother Jerry, you're in, in some kind of bondage or in some kind of restraint? And uh, I said, yeah, at times I feel like that. But I know that Jesus breaks every fetter. And I know that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I know in whom I have believed that I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded? I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what we have committed unto him against that day. I believe that he is still Lord of all. And I believe that he is the creator God and he is the God of salvation. He is the God of all grace. He is the God of the powerful uh, way He manages this world and this universe. He is sovereign God, and beside Him there is none other, none other. There's also tremendous unrest in the spiritual world because it seems as if we're really scratching our heads spiritually wondering what we believe. There seems to be a, a lot of uh, old line denominations that have clung to their doctrine and their tradition for many, many years and now have decided that it's uh, outdated and needs to be done away with, that something more modern and something uh, more casual, not quite so stuffy. Uh, it seems that anyone who contends now for the fundamental, and boy, that's a word they hate, fundamental. Amen. I want to tell you, there are some things that are fundamental that Christianity won't operate without those things. My car sitting right out there, there are some things that are not fundamental on my car. I don't need a, a talking dashboard to get from one place to another. That's not fundamental. 20-inch rims with wide oval tire. That's not fundamental. That's an option. 
That's not fundamental. In fact, they got that whole list on that window, Randy, I got that car that says options. But there's not a list there that says fundamentals. It just comes with the car. It'll operate with a lot of things, but it won't operate without a motor. And you better have some brakes. And you better have some way to steer that fella. There are certain things that are fundamental. I don't mind being called fundamentalist. I really don't because I believe that there are things that are fundamental to the Christian faith. Number one is the inerrancy of Scripture. And that's one of the things we're really having to battle about right now and really having to, having to, to fight for because there are people that have preached for years that now believe the Bible is, in, is uh, full of errors, that the Bible has uh, inconsistencies, and that there are several things that were misinterpreted. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that the Word, Jesus said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. This Bible tells me that heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. God's Word is the eternal, infallible, inerrant Scripture, and it's the Word of God, and it will never, ever change. If that's fundamental and you don't like it, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. You'll just have to lump it. Because that's the way Christianity works. It's based upon the foundation, the Bible said, of the prophets and the people that have preached this gospel. The church is built upon the profession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. That's the pillar that holds everything up. There seems to be a spirit of pluralism that's going around. What that means is any God is okay. And we're really being pressured in why don't we just embrace all religions, Brother Jerry, because all religions, they have a God of some kind. It's just their understanding. No, the God that I have said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind and your strength, and thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the Lord, and I change not, he said. And see, those things are fundamental to us, and we cannot, they're not negotiable, and they're not for us to uh, dispute about. That's just the way that is. And if you want to know God, that's the way to God. There is no other name. There is no other way. There is no other God. There is no other Savior. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's the one who said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no man no man comes unto the Father but by me. There's just one way, folks, and that's Jesus. There's just one detergent that washes sin out of people's lives, and that's the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
According to Barna Research Group, less than 66% of adults in America believe that all religions basically believe in the same thing. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. None of them have a resurrected Savior, but just one. Just one has got a Savior who was killed on a cruel wooden cross and died a sacrificial death for the sins of the whole world, yet he rose again. Hallelujah. He rose a triumphant resurrection, a conqueror over death and hell and the grave so that the sting is taken out. The sting of death is taken out. And our God has secured for us peace. Peace with God, a justification, a, a peace with God. We've accepted what God did in the person of Jesus as full payment for all the sin debt that we owed. And now, thanks be to God, we have an optimistic future. And this world and its habitation is not going to determine the happiness of our future because our happiness is not in things. I said our hop happiness is not in things. Our happiness is in a person. Our peace is not in things. Our peace is in a person. Our joy is not in things. Our joy is in a person. Our hope is not in things. Our hope is in a person. And that is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of those preachers of his need to rededicate themselves to preaching Jesus. Did you see what happened this morning when you started singing about Jesus? Did you see what happened when you started worshiping Jesus? Did you see the change of the climate? Did you see the atmosphere in this building change when you started worshiping and centering upon the Lord Jesus? It was Jesus that said, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, I'll get their attention. If I'll be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. They may be thinking about something else right now, but if you say Jesus, Jesus said, lift me up and you'll get their attention. Praise God. Last Wednesday night, I was preaching right here. We started talking about what does it mean to be stirred, stirred for a revival. In Acts 17, 16, the Bible said, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw that city wholly given to idolatry. Brother, he saw something that stirred him up. Do you know how Paul got stirred up? It's because he had a stirred up Lord inside him. Did you know that the Bible talks about Jesus and his preaching? And when the disciples went back and reported the things, they said, for he stirreth up the people. In fact, they had revival over in 
one of the areas in Capernaum, and the Bible said, and there was no small stir in that city. Brother, I want to tell you, everywhere Jesus went, he stirred things up. People that were docile, he made them to get stirred. People that were unassuming, they changed and became amazed at his teaching. In fact, one man said, never a man spake like this man. Oh, they sent the soldiers out to arrest the disciples for preaching Jesus. And when they came out and was about to arrest them, they couldn't arrest them. Now, I imagine down at the police department, Greg, if you sent some fellas out to arrest somebody and they came back and didn't have him, and you said, why haven't you got him? And they said, never a man spake like that man. I wonder if they'd have accepted that as excuse enough for not bringing him back. Never a man spake like this man. Brother, this man could speak and change things in a moment. Brother, this man could speak and the winds and the waves obey him. This man could speak and young boys could get up out of a casket and begin to play and rejoice. This man could speak and say, Tabitha, come forth, and a little girl would be raised back to life. This man could speak and a blind man could be healed. This man could speak and a leper could be cleansed. This man could speak and miracles took place because he's not just an ordinary man. This Jesus that I preach, this Jesus that I lift up, he's not just an ordinary man. You've got to realize he is the God man. You see, as a man, he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and he wept because his friend had died. But as God, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said, and Lazarus got up and walked out of that grave. As a man, when he hung on the cross, he said, I thirst. But as God, he said, if any man shall drink the water that I shall give him, he shall never thirst again. You see, as, as a man, he died. But as God, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. You see, what has to change is the savor. What has to change is the salt and its saltiness. You see, because there is a condition salt can get to that it's worthless. Salt without savor, the Bible said, was good for nothing else but to cast it out and be trodden under the foot of men. If salt have lost its savor, wherewithal shall it be salted? You see, that verse also says, you, you, Mike, you, Jerry, you, you and you and you and you are the salt of the earth. Savor has to do with smell and taste. Savor has to do with our senses, the things that make us aware of what's going on around us. Thou savor. 
Do you remember when Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem and the disciples were following him and Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, Who do men say that I am? And some spoke up and said, Thou art Josiah. Some says, Thou art one from the past that called himself Bar-Jesus. But Jesus said, Well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Three verses later, Jesus says, For the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, and the Son of Man must be killed, and the Son of Man must be laid in a tomb, but on the third day he will arise. Peter, who had just got an A-plus on one test, failed miserably when he said, Not so! No, not so! Lord, that will never happen! We will never allow you to be turned over and killed and slain. And Jesus issued the most severe words he ever spoke. The only person he ever called a devil. And he looked at him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan! Listen, for thou savorest not the things of God. Thou savorest not the things of God. In other words, you had not got God a whole, a whole lot going on around you. you. You don't have the right atmosphere. You don't have the right activity. You don't have the right attitude. You don't have the, the things of God are not what's influencing you right now. Thou savorest not. You don't have the saltiness. You've got the salt they walk on. You don't have the saltiness that they taste. Woo, somebody will shout in a minute. You've got the salt they walk on. You need the salt that they taste because the salt that they taste is salty. It has savor. It has flavor. It has power. It influences things. Now, I love watermelon. But I don't put any salt on mine. I just like watermelon. But I've got a, a, a wife who's watching right now that would tell you, I don't want watermelon without salt. Don't even bring it in here to me if you're not going to bring the salt shaker. In fact, most of the time with her food, before she ever tastes to see if it's salty or not, she makes it white on top before she ever. I said, don't you need to taste that first and see if it needs any salt? No, I know when it needs it, when it don't need it, it needs it. It needs it. My Lord, I wonder if our Heavenly Father is sitting somewhere saying, you need some more salt in your life, brother. A young lady, sister, you need some more salt in your prayer life. You need some more salt in your worship. You need some more salt in your testimony and your witness. You need a little more salt in that. Oh, when you lift up holy hands to God, you need to get a little more salt in it.
Amen. You got it about shoulder high. You need to get it head high. Come on, somebody. You need to get that influence going on in such a way that you make a bigger influence than what you got. Paul came into Athens. He was stirred when he saw that city wholly given to idolatry. I want God to stir us. I don't know what it's going to take, but I want God to stir us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, this same apostle Paul, listen to what he says. When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, it's not my gospel, it's his. And I don't need to get in the way of his gospel. I need to always make sure he's first and foremost when I preach his gospel. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. God opens doors. God closes doors. Boy, a lot of preaching to be doing, but I got to move on. I had no rest in my spirit because I couldn't find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia, which is Europe. Now, thanks be to God. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. One of my favorite in the whole Bible. I use it so many times. Thanks be to God who always, how often is always? Every time. Never miss. Never miss. He always causes me and you and all of us who are saved to triumph in Christ. We win every time. We come out of every battle a winner. We come out of every struggle on top. We come through every difficulty singing the praises of God. We win. We always win. We never lose. Lord, have mercy. Never lose. He always causes us to triumph and maketh manifest, listen now, the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. The knowledge of him. My preaching. When I preach, I use the knowledge that I have of him and that knowledge with which I preach when I'm in your city, it manifests the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we, me and you, you and me, all of us, we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Not just save people, but it's possible to know who Jesus is, not act on it, and perish. It's possible to hear it, and hear it, and hear it some more, and hear it again. But if you never act on it, you've heard it, you know it. But you see, when he's preaching, in these cities, he said, I'm making manifest the savor. I'm making manifest. Now, number one, he said, to me, it's really important that he says, I always win. 
well, now listen, Paul, in another verse, it says, thrice they beat my back with rods. In that same verse, it says, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. In that same verse, you said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned and left for dead. I've suffered the loss. I've been cast down. I've been cast out. I've run from a lie. Climbed over a wall in a basket to get away from people wanting to kill me. So how is it you win? How is it that you win? How is it that he always causes you to triumph? He said, it's as simple as this, preacher. Every time I'm weak, then I'm made strong. Every time when the odds are in favor of going under and losing it all, I always come back. Every time they beat my back and think they've destroyed my ministry and I'll never preach again, he said, they just make me want to preach that much more. Every time they throw rocks at me and beat the life out of me, knock me unconscious and leave me laying on the ground for dead. They think they finished me and, and got rid of me, but what they make me want to do is get up from there and go preach some more. Because every time the devil does something to me, hey, you may think I lose, but I win. He always causes me to triumph. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm winning. It may look like I'm losing. My back may be looking red and have all kind of whelps on it and blood running down my back, but I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm triumphing. I'm, I'm overcoming shipwrecks. Why, sure, I win in that because God sends an angel. What about that prison you was in over there, Philippi? Oh, you think I lost there? Brother, read it again because at midnight while we were singing praises, you might have thought we were losers, but we were singing praise songs. We were praying, praying and singing winning songs. We wasn't singing losing songs. We were singing winning songs. And at midnight when we sang praises unto God, hallelujah, we created such a savor in that prison. Because Jesus was being lifted up and prisoners started getting saved. And it wasn't long before the Holy Ghost fell in that place. And it shook that place and the bonds and the stocks fell off and the doors flew open to the prison and we were all released. It might have looked to you like we lost, but let me tell you, we won that one. Don't let anybody tell you you're a loser. Don't let anybody tell you you're done in, you're washed up, you're, 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 you're done with. You say, ah, oh, you just don't know how it is. And you need to see some savor. If you could know what's going on around me. You don't see them, but there's angels all around here. You don't see them, but they're all around here. The Bible said the Lord hath assigned his angels to care for you, lest you dash your fed foot against a stone. The Bible said the angels 
plural, of the Lord encampeth around about those that love and fear the Lord. All around this building this morning, you don't see them, but there are ministering angels. There are guardian angels. There are messenger angels. There's angels all around us, unseen by human eyes, but they're there. Sometimes the Lord just lets the scales fall off and lets you see. I wish I could tell you the times. These two men can tell you too. When you're lying or in a hospital and a, a saint of God laying there in a bed about to pass and look at you and say, do you see them? Have you had that happen, Don? You ever had that happen, Brother Ford? Do you see them? No, I don't see them, honey, but I'm sure you do. My brother, right before he died, he was sitting at the bar in the kitchen talking to Diane. And he got up and he started walking back toward the bedroom. She said, where are you going? He said, I'm going back here. They've come for me. When he didn't come back, she went in there and looked in the bedroom and he fell with a heart attack and was dead. They've come for me. I want to tell you something. Blessed in the eyes of the Lord are the death of His saints. I said, blessed in the eyes of the Lord is the death of His saints. The angels are encamped around about those that love the Lord. And you're going to tell me I'm a loser? That I'm losing? No, honey, I'm winning. I'm winning. Peter sat over there in that I've got to land this plane, and I hadn't even got off of page one yet. I hadn't even got off the page yet. Peter's sitting over in that prison. They've already killed James. They said, we better wait till after Easter to kill Peter. Peter was a pastor, and his people of his church were all gathered up at, over at Sister Mary's house, and they were praying for him. I go, oh, God, take care of our pastor. They've already killed one of our, our men, oh Lord, and probably going to kill our pastor, but God, we're just asking you to make a way, Lord. And the Bible said and Peter was in the inner prison. They wanted to make sure he didn't escape. And the writer said there was a, a, a gate there that it took 12 men to move that gate. And Peter is sitting there, and the Bible said, and the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, listen to this, woke him up. Woke him up? You mean he's sitting there on the floor, a rock floor, in a dungeon, steel bars all around him, and going to kill him after Easter, and you have to wake him up? And then you want to call him a loser? He always causes us to triumph. Woke him up and the next verse said, come on Olivia. And the next verse says, he told him, put your sandals on. What in the world did he take his sandals off for? Must have felt pretty comfortable. 
to take his shoes off. When I, if I come to your house, if I take my shoes off, you can say he's pretty comfortable being here. Took his shoes off. Put your sandals on. Okay, where are we going? We're going out of here. And the Bible said they started marching. And as they marched, every time they'd get up to a, a door, a prison door, the Bible said the power of God, the Spirit of God would open that door and swing that door open for them to come through. And when they walked through that door, they would come up on another one. And they'd say, ah, oh, you're a loser. You won't ever get through this one. You got through that one back there, but you old loser, you won't make it through this one. But when he got to that one, the power of God struck that door and opened that door. And he walked on through and he came to another. You see, that's what life is, folks. You just go through doors and walk a little while and go through another door and walk a little while and then go through another door until you come to that one that says Jesus, that door that Jesus said, I am the door and if any man shall enter in by me, he shall be saved. Once you get through that door, folks, I want to tell you, you're going to a place where there's no more sorrow. You're going to a place where there's no more heartache. You're going to a place where there's no more pandemic. You're going to a place where there's no need to have any medicine for you because God, through the open door of Jesus, has said, if any man will enter in by me, he shall be saved. Lord, plant our feet on higher ground. Lord, take us further. Take us deeper. Take us higher. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to know him better. I want to follow him closer. Stand with me all over this house. Mm. How many here this morning and say, the devil's tried to beat me up and tell me that I'm not worthy and the devil tries to tell me that I'm, I'm not going to make it and I'm not, not got what I ought to have and I'm not living like I ought to live beating on you and beating on you and saying you're, you're no good and you're not going to make it and, and you don't have any faith and you know, you're not really where you need to be. God, you wouldn't go in any rapture anyway. You, you're lost and just beat you, beat you, beat you. Aren't you tired of that? Anybody here say, I'm tired of that? Tired of that? Greater! 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 More powerful than is he that is in you than he that is in the world. My God shall supply every need that I have according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you need strength from God, ask him. 
You need wisdom to know what to do? Ask Him. You need God to help you with a problem? Ask Him. You need God's grace to forgive you and help you get over something? Ask Him. I said, ask Him. Ask Him. And He said, if you ask. He said, if you ask. If you ask. If you ask. Anything in my name, I will do it. He will do it. He will do it. Why don't you right now just lift up your antenna and say, Lord, I've come to this meeting today with a need, but you're greater than my need. And pastors preached that you win every time and that your plan for my life is that I win. Your plan is not that I, I lose. Your plan, your purpose for me is not that I lose. Your plan for me, your purpose for me is that I win, that I'm an overcomer. When I get to heaven, I want to sing that overcoming song. That overcame. These are they that have overcame. These are they that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. These are they that shall walk with me, for they are worthy. Oh, blessed be God. Lord, I need your strength today. I need your help. Touch me today, oh Lord Jesus. I'm not going to leave this building like I came. I'm going to leave here a winner. I may have walked in that door thinking I was a loser, but I'm going to walk out that door knowing I'm a winner. I'm, I'm going to know that I'm ahead and I'm above. I'm not beneath and I'm not under. Praise God, I'm not going under. I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going to make it by the grace of God. I'm going to make it. By the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to make it. Because it's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Oh, blessed God, don't let harvest ever lose its savor. Don't let this place, oh God, ever get to a, a state to where we couldn't see Jesus or you couldn't feel Jesus or you couldn't experience Jesus. Help us, God, to know and serve and love and worship and lift up Jesus. How we praise you, God. How we praise you. who cannot be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. I was in all points tempted like as you are, yet I came out a winner. My desire for you is that you overcome and that you win. My desire and my purpose for you is that you succeed and live a life of sweet savor. That your testimony would come up before me as a sweet savor, an offering unto me. You're the people of my hand. You're the sheep of my pastor. I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Thank you, God. Somebody give some praise to God. And the Bible said, and he took the bread, 
And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. In like manner also, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. Drink ye all of it. Thank you, Jesus. For as long as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's grace until He comes. This do in remembrance of me. Thank you, God. Now would you offer up a vocal thank you to God? Would you just do a vocal appreciation, say, thank you, God, for dying for me. Thank you, God, for shedding your blood at Calvary's cross for me. Thank you, O Lord, for all that you redeemed me, changed me, saved me, and gave me a home in heaven. Thank you for all of that, Lord. I will continue to celebrate your death and your burial and your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise God. Well, I hate to dismiss. I kind of like the way it is, don't you? Thank you, God, for the wonderful privilege to be in your house today. Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful spirit of liberty that we feel here. And I ask you, God, let it be that way every time. Every time. Go with us now to our homes and our families. Give us an enjoyable afternoon together on this Lord's Day. And Lord, may we rise in the morning to go to our job place. Salt. Salt that has plenty of salt in us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you is my prayer. Shout Jesus from.